people didn't live very long. It was a three to five year life expectancy and I was 30. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's like, you're not getting pregnant and also you're going to be dead really soon. So, um, that was rough. Hi, I'm Bill Harper, and this is Bloodworks 101, an Anthem award-winning podcast from the Pacific Northwest's primary blood center that's designed to inspire you to donate time, money, or blood. In the spirit of Mother's Day, this week we're sharing the story of Elaine Sontag Johnson, a family therapist whose life was interrupted at age 30 by a rare blood disorder called paroxysmal nocturnal hemoglobinuria, or PNH for short, that destroys red blood cells, creates blood clots, and impairs bone marrow's function. At the time, she was loving her job, blissfully married to her husband Daniel, and she still is, and looking forward to starting a family. That diagnosis put all of that at risk, but here's the thing. That three to five year life expectancy for PNH patients she just mentioned? Well, hers is a story of perseverance and resilience, and proof that no matter any grim statistic, someone always has to be the outlier. Well, I was 30. Mm -hmm. and had a great life. You just talked to Daniel. We got, both got our master's degree in social work. I had a great mm -hmm. career. I really, really loved what I was doing. And we were trying to get pregnant, didn't get pregnant. They said, give it a year, okay. And then the OBGYN said, your blood is weird. Sent me to Dr. Douglas Lee, who said, oh, I think I know what you have, but I've never met one. Um, mm -hmm. And he was right, which is really amazing because most people swim around the system for a long time before they get diagnosed appropriately. Mm -hmm. said, you have PNH, paroxysmal nocturnal hemoglobinuria, which is two per million people. It's all over the world, and but not it's not a genetic, um, it's mm -hmm. not genetic. it's just bad luck or something, exposure. Yeah. And um, so at first, this was before the internet, and I thought, okay, I have a blood thing, I'll run just you know, mm -hmm. kind of went home. And then we did a literature search and every single article was about horrific deaths that people didn't live very long. It was a three to five year life expectancy. And I was 30. Mm -hmm. um, so it's like, you're not getting pregnant and also you're going to be dead really soon. So um, that was rough. And I, I was, see the weirdest part was I was asymptomatic. I was totally fine. I felt great. Mm -hmm. I, just literally nothing. So then my all my white cells, platelets and red cells started tanking. They were really, really getting low. And then I then I got into big trouble. I I didn't have enough of any of those. Um, so I was hospitalized all the time. I had I got uh, I um, I got uh, red cells every month for 18 years um, and I got platelets every five days for quite a while. I mean, it, it was just awful. Um, but um, we decided after a few years to try to adopt, even though I was really sick. But it, but Daniel's a fabulous guy, and it made me very sad because he would have adopted if he was a single guy, and he couldn't adopt being married to me, which seemed very wrong, ethically, morally, mm -hmm. somehow. So we talked to Dr. Lee, and we the three of us sat around and cried. I said, I need a letter that says that I'm likely to survive for 18 years. And we all knew that wasn't true. There was nothing in the literature that said that, but he wrote that letter. Mm -hmm. And we adopted um, two kids who are now 23 and 27. Wow. Yeah, we were in the room for their birth. Yeah. Yeah, it, uh, we're really, really lucky. Um, mm -hmm. I have been shockingly lucky in every way, except for getting sick, um, mm -hmm. because they came up with a drug for us, which I never thought they would. There's so few of us. 
Mm-hmm. You know, it's just a very small group. And I thought, I don't know why they would study us. And I, I just, you know, Daniel, I said, they're going to come up with a drug. I thought, I don't think so. It's not like, a, you know, a more known disease, but they did. Huh. And it's one of the MABs. It was an early MAB. And I kept following all the research that was done. And I got in the study for this first generation. We're now in the second generation of this MAB. Um, and I, I went to the to Stanford because that was the closest research um, the place where they were doing the research, yeah. it was kind of all over the country. So I flew down there every 12 days for almost a year mm-hmm. and got the, um, you know, got the IV in, in um, treatment and came home and um, it was, it was working really, really well. Yeah. Um, I hardly ever, I just need blood now when I get a fever or something mm-hmm. um, oh, wow. or, or the first vaccine for the COVID. <laughs> for COVID. <laughs> I got really sick and uh-huh. landed in the hospital, but um so from go- you went from going from needing blood once a month and then platelets every five days to pretty much not. The platelets five days was for a period of time. Mm-hmm. It was some months um, because you can't get them forever. And then the platelets turned around somehow. I, I don't know how I'm so lucky. I, I I wasn't making white cells at different times and I was hospital. I was in the hospital a lot. Um, and Dr. Lee came in and said, oh, they've just developed this new GMCSF and we're going to give you a shot. And I made more white cells. I don't even understand how, I don't know. It's just really shockingly lucky. And the platelet, my platelets went up. I lived most of my life in the 20s and 30s of platelets, which is too low for, yeah. um, really, if you get in any kind of trouble, you can't get your arm ripped off, but you can do normal life and uh, yeah. I mean, I, we're made with a lot extra, a lot of extra platelets. I've learned, but so mm-hmm. you can't. Um, I get bruised easily, but otherwise, I'm just fine. Yeah. So, use the term MAB. What does what does that mean? It's a monoclonal antibody. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. It's people are talking about it now because that's what the treatments for COVID are that mm-hmm. are starting. Yeah. Um, so that was a new family of drugs um, that was kind of new when this started 16 years ago, people hadn't heard about the mm-hmm. monoclonal antibodies, but it's a big new frontier, obviously. Yeah. Um, Certainly accelerated a lot, I'm sure, by the COVID research that they've done. So that drug I had to get every two weeks, go to the cancer mm-hmm. center and get, um, and then it went to every 12 days because I was kind of um, running out of steam. And mind you, I had two little kids at the time. So. <laughs> I had to keep going, but um, now the 2.0 version that I'm on now is every eight weeks, which is a oh, whole wow. life changing thing where I'm not thinking about it all the time. Yeah. You know? um, so that's a lot of freedom. We can travel a little bit and um, I, 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 it's just pretty wonderful. For yeah, me. it's incredible. I mean, just talking to you now, it's like you would never guess that you had this chronic disease. And yeah, I mean, that's, that's incredible advancement that you've seen just in your lifetime. So yes. I mean, I'm, I realize how, uh, and you're a beneficiary of it too, of what we can do now in medicine. If I was born in another time and place, I yeah. wouldn't survive very long. Um, and that's pretty clear. And I just keep going. I mean, this is now 33 years of this. Um, when they said three year, three to five years was the life expectancy. And it was because they just didn't have anything to offer. Um, mm-hmm. People clot in their in their head or and they, I clotted once in my gut, which was horrible, but that's what happens and people die it, yeah. because you clot or bleed with it. So it's very tricky to treat. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, you have to walk both of those lines. I was on a blood mm-hmm. thinner and for many years. And so it's, 
um, not crystal clear about what the best way, it depends on your doctor's kind of anecdotal. You can find doctors who say you should be on blood thinners, others who say don't. Um, yeah. So. Um, yeah. Well, it sounds like that's just because there's such a small patient population that it's hard to get solid data. Yeah. Yeah. And so doctors are influenced by, which they have told me, I had a patient who did really well. And then all of a sudden he bled, bled in his brain. And I don't want that to happen to you. And mm -hmm. well, okay. But I also look at the research and, um, yeah. anyway. you know, how I've, you're in the driver's seat a lot. If you really want to, mm -hmm. um, I talked him out of a bone marrow transplant a few years ago. Um, a doctor at SCCA said I really should do that. And um, yeah. I talked him out of it. It's a big deal. And that's why I thought, no, I know what it involves. I'm being, I mean, well, like, it sounds like, you, yeah, it sounds like age 30, you basically would be entitled to an honorary MD because you, you know, that's what happens <laughs> no. when you get sick like this. You just very, very narrow. Stuff. Yeah. And very <laughs> narrow, but um, yeah, it just sounds like at age 30, you really just educated yourself, you know, especially since it's such a rare thing. Yeah. I, I, you probably found this too, but you really have to, and yep. especially then. Um, and doctors think I know what I'm talking about, but then like, there's not a whole lot of depth of knowledge. Yeah. I know my stuff. So yeah. don't talk to me. You're like, I'll even say words and not know what they are. I've just heard them talk about the pig aging or, you know, like, I, I don't yeah. know, I'm not a science head. So, um, anyway, yeah. yeah, that has been very helpful that, um, yeah, Dan, I've been a good team and we just kind of know what's been going on. So it's yeah. part of why I'm still here. Well, so it sounds like, you know, when they told you back then it was three to five or three to five years life expectancy. So it sounds like you were an outlier. So yeah. what's it like living life as an outlier? Um, you know, there's a nice group on Facebook now, of course, and I'm kind of the grand dame. I think I'm <laughs> one of the people who has lived the longest with this. Uh -huh. And so now it's kind of funny because people will Oh, you know, my, I was just diagnosed and this is such a pain. And I, I want to get a bone marrow transplant because I don't want to be, you know, have to go to the cancer center all the time. And I just feel like every once in a while I'll pipe up and say, Hey, you guys are really, really lucky. Um, you know, for bone marrow, transplant, especially younger people, mm -hmm. um, when they're diagnosed, young people don't do well. I don't know why they usually die. Um, and a it's PNH? been like, that. I'm sorry. A PNH you mean? Yeah. Oh um, for the longest time, anybody in their teens, I kind of like, oh, you know, they're not going to, they just, I don't know why, if oh. it was like, you don't have enough, um, the, like antibodies or there's something. Um, mm. so I understand why someone younger might want to go for a bone marrow transplant, mm -hmm. but you know, going to the cancer center every two months to get a, a 45 minute infusion is really not that big a deal. Yeah. But, so uh, it's uh it's kind of funny because I, I don't want to just say you should be grateful because I know what a shock it is to be diagnosed. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, um, we're awfully lucky <laughs> that we have options yeah. now. So um, so I'm, I'm more on that website. I'm more quiet than um, mm -hmm. I would think it would be because, you know, they always have the same questions in the beginning and bless their hearts. I did, too. Yeah. But now you have an Internet, and you, you need to read all this stuff first. And yeah, and I'll pipe in with, you know. Or people will say, I don't know how long, you know, I'll live. And here I am 30 some years mm -hmm. later, yeah. having been diagnosed a long while ago. So I can give people hope. It sounds like yeah. that's something that hope is a, is a big part of what your story and what you're talking about. Yeah, I think you can tell your body's thing, don't you? I don't know. I just feel like if you tell your body mm -hmm. you're not going to last, you know, you can manifest yeah. that sort of, or you can say, yep, I, I've got too much to do. It turns out, strength in the face of long odds is something that Elaine feels is in her blood. 
So this is an aside, but my dad um, escaped from Nazi Germany oh in goodness. 1936 and um, to Brazil, which people have heard about Nazis in Brazil, but there were a lot of Jewish people who got uh -huh. there because they couldn't go anywhere. The U.S. wasn't taking Jews. Nobody was taking Jews. Anyway, so he escaped there. My mother's a Russian Jew. They ended up in Brazil. That's where I was born. And that's mm -hmm. why my family's all there, even though we're not really Brazilian. Um, and so we moved here when I was young. and. I, I have this sort of, I don't know, it's like a survivor thing, you know, mm -hmm. I'm so, so I keep, it's the third time I've said that, but very lucky to be here. Mm -hmm. It's just all fluky. And I just think of so many other people who've had it harder. I'm a therapist. I hear from people, you know, mm -hmm. when I was working, how hard people have. So, you know, yeah. I don't feel sorry for my, I never have felt sorry for myself. I just mm -hmm. feel like, um, like you, yeah. I mean, you feel like what else can happen? I'm yeah. sure. Well, like a like almost like a hereditary resilience, huh? Yeah, I think just um, yeah, I think that's my a thing. dad never ever complained, never ever said yeah. anything. He didn't talk about it when I was younger. Yeah, um, well, I mean, yeah, I mean, what what good does that get you, right? No, and he was full of joy. He loved music. Mm -hmm. He worked till he was seventy. I mean, he so I just have good models for um, yeah, you just go ahead and do what you can and. Mm -hmm. Um, if I feel sorry for myself for a second, I feel like this is the worst place I can be. I have to go do something and help somebody. Yeah. <laughs> that is not a good place to be. As the recipient of 267 blood and platelet transfusions myself, I often say as a joke that it's a good life goal to never become famous at a blood bank. However, PNH helped give Elaine a title she probably never wanted, but which has given her a gratitude that to this day brings her to tears. It was the most transfusions of anyone in King County ever. Yeah, they told me of the of who blood works. It was Puget Sound Blood Center. Yeah, yeah, for sure. They said I had I had gotten more blood than anybody. I don't know if I still hold that dubious honor, but um, I hope so because <laughs> that's like <laughs> it yeah. was a lot. It was just a lot. And My goodness, yeah. I visited the um, the labs at your at, yeah. at the Terry Building and. Oh, we've seen your name so many times. It was really cool. No, I had the same thing. That's a long time, 18 years to be that reliant on blood donors. What was and it like to just know that there are all these people out there donating blood and that did you ever think about? Oh, my God. Yeah. This is the part that makes me cry. I got to speak okay. at one of the um, lunches that you guys do, the mm -hmm. fundraising lunch. Um, and I said, who who has Opa's blood? Mm -hmm. And lots of people raised their hand. I said, I, it's very likely I have your blood. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I got so much blood, and I think that blood donors are really the most heroic people because yep. they don't know to whom they're giving blood. They don't, you know, um, and it takes, like some of the people that I know who donate are the busiest people. They have really, you know, big jobs and families and they mm -hmm. take time and they'll do the aphresis and it's just sort of a wonder to me. Um, but they're kind of quiet heroes. There's no parade for them. It's yeah. just, I know it needs to be done. It's a, it's really the best example of community support. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I mean, literally, um, you know, you and I knew what we needed, but there was no way, there's nothing, no other way to get it than to know that there are little angels running around who will take time and give of themselves in the most profound way. I. I don't know how to put words to it. It feels really 
I'm a social worker, so I think about this stuff mm -hmm. and what community support. I'm sitting in a community center that my husband built here in Edmonds. So we're really all about this. Mm -hmm. um, and I was a family therapist. And so I don't, it's a, it's such a metaphor, it's such a, like how else can you mm -hmm. describe what this is, is I will yeah. literally give you some of myself. Mm -hmm. um, that's how much I care about you. That's how much I love you. I don't know yeah. who you are. That's how I thought about my stem cell donor. I've written yeah. all kinds of stuff about her. It's like this is this blood donor, stem cell donor, whoever it is, is a person who cares about you so much. Yeah. They'll help you and they'll never even know anything. Yeah. yeah. Amazing. I so I've I have given speeches for Bloodworks too, and I, I remember writing like you know, donating blood is the highest expression there is of human kindness. Yeah. You know, talk about human kindness. Is, you know, songs written about it, and there's. Um, but you you're know. right because there's something like romantic love. You love someone, but they, you also want the company, and they take care of you, and all the things. There's something in it for you. Donating blood, there's absolutely nothing um, that you can point to except you know that it's the need. Well, that's a wrap for this episode of Bloodworks 101. I'm Bill Harper. Thank you for listening, and please remember to subscribe. People in our community like Elaine need blood every single day and all it takes for them to get the life they deserve is the gift of life, a blood donation. So please go to bloodworksnw.org donate and make an appointment to donate blood today. We'll catch you later.